Holy Father, we love you. Thank you for uh, today. We thank you for uh, just time together to spend around your word. Uh, Lord, we invite your spirit to speak to us and shape our hearts. Uh, Lord, we need your encouragement. We need your challenge, your conviction, your spirit to lead us to repentance, lead us towards uh, righteousness and faithfulness, trusting in you. Lord, we come to you weary with a lot of things on our mind and our heart. So we ask God that that your word would find a true and rich soil to yield a great harvest in our lives. Not for ourselves, but for you and for your glory. Lord, that we would be a shining light in the midst of darkness. Pointing people to hope and salvation. Sharing with one another the joy that we have in Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today we're going to spend time in the book of Deuteronomy. This will be my last message. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 31. Leading up to uh, all of this, uh, we've uh, been encouraged by Bryce, who was sharing in Ecclesiastes. And Luke shared uh, from the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8. And really, he, without knowing it, he set up well today's message uh, to talk about God's faithfulness. That God in the midst of everything. And, and uh, Kevin actually reminded me of just that great phrase that Luke said. Uh, that he takes our mess and turns it into our message. He takes our test and turns it into our testimony. Uh, just to remind us of God's faithfulness in the midst of everything. Uh, today's text is something that uh, sometimes you will see uh, written on folks' favorite, uh, favorite sort of Bible verses. And they'll put it on their walls, they'll put it uh, maybe in their cars, and they'll have it in front of them. And I want to tell you that they've been using it all wrong. And um, I just really feel like it's my job as your preacher to tell you when you mess up. And, uh, and so the phrase, the, the scripture is, be strong and courageous. And here's my problem with it. I'll let you know in a minute. Let's read. Uh, we'll begin in Deuteronomy 31, 23. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and myself will be with you. After Moses finished writing in the book the words of this law from the beginning to the end, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. There it will remain as a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stiff-necked you are. If you have been rebellious against the Lord while I am still alive and with you, how much more Will you rebel after I die? Assemble before me all the, of the elders of your tribes and all of your officials so that I can speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to testify against them. For I know that after my death you are sure to become utterly corrupt and to turn from the way I have commanded you. In days to come disaster will, fa- will fall on you because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and arouse his anger by what your hands have made. 
Then Moses recited the words of the song from the beginning to the end and hearing of the whole assembly. And then it's uh, part of what I read to you this morning in our opening. It's this call to God's faithfulness. It's the reminder that God is a sort of steadfast rock and our salvation and worthy of our praise. The closing, these are the closing parting words that, Noah, or that Moses, Noah, that's funny, like how many, it's like the old joke, how many animals did Moses put on the ark? You always trick everybody. It was Noah who put it. I'm not the only bad joke teller. The, uh, oh, I'm sorry, joke teller. And, uh, but anyways, Moses is in his final breath. It is almost over for him. He will sing the song, and then he will go and he will die. In his very last sermon, his very last message is to a friend, to the one that he's been sort of bringing along and saying to his friend Joshua, I'm handing it all over to you. What an awesome responsibility for Joshua to become the one who will take the reins, take the baton, and he is going to be the one who takes Israel, who's been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and he's going to be the one that takes them into finally crossing the Jordan and entering into the promised land and taking on the Philistines and taking on uh, all the enemies that are there, and he's going to be the one that leads them. Moses' encouragement to Joshua is be strong and courageous. Now, when we use the verse, here's my beef, and here's what happens. If I were to say to you, Mason, be strong and courageous, well, that might bolster you up a little bit. Might, you look at you, you're glowing already. If I encourage you to be strong and courageous, your automatic default mode your automatic default mode is to think that it's about you. Be strong and courageous, you think, it's about my abilities. It's about my wit and my charm. At least that's where I go in my head. It's about my abilities and strength and wit and know-how. Be strong and courageous. And it puts all the emphasis on our shoulders. And what I'm asking of you is to look at the text and say, is this about the strength of Joshua or is it about the faithful presence of God to go with him? Is it about the might of the Lord that goes with him or the might and strength of Joshua that's going to lead the people through the, through the wilderness and crossing the Jordan? And the text teaches us exactly what, what Moses means, what the Lord uses Moses to say, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. Joshua can perk himself up and hold himself strong, and he can be strong, and he can be courageous, because the Lord is with him, because the Lord is faithful, because the Lord is present. So we have a tendency to take this text and sort of just put it all over our walls and put it in our cars and be like, the Lord tells me to be strong and courageous today. I know that's exactly how you handle it too when you read it. 
not Eli. He's shaking his head no. But it's about, it's about what God is going to do with Joshua. It's about God's faithful presence going with him. It's about God's power and God's, God's strength holding him up so that he finds his strength not in himself, not in his abilities. But our 21st century ears have told us that all God wants to say about you is how special you are. And God might think you're special. I don't know, some of you. But he does believe that him in you, you can do greater things than without him. And he is saying of Joshua, you are not going to measure up to this task that's in front of you, but I will go with you, I will lead you, I will tear down the walls, I will tear down Jericho, I'll be the one that will hold the river up in the middle of flood stage, I will be the one that lets you cross over on dry ground, I will be the one that will face the enemies with you, I will go with you, so hold yourself high and trust and know that Joshua, you can be strong and courageous. And he's going to need that encouragement. Because Moses gives a real cold dose of reality. He says, guess what? You're going to need to be strong and courageous, and you're going to need to remember that the Lord is going with you because there's a really big problem that's going to happen. Just like they've been misbehaving while I'm here, they're going to misbehave when they're, I'm gone. They are stiff-necked and they're hard-hearted, I think he would, you know, these were polite words. He knew it was going to be in the Bible, but I think he wanted to call them all idiots. He probably had a few choice words, but, you know, he didn't want to, you know, offend the sensibilities of people, and he didn't cuss them out. But Moses knows, he understands about this people that they will be prone to wandering they will be prone to doubting. They'll be prone to despair. And when they face difficulties, just like before, just when they face it again, they're going to say, why did we go here? Egypt was so much better. You've dragged us out here to die. This is the Israelites' complaints over and over and over again. Despite God showing himself faithful God proving himself worthy of praise, worthy of trusting, providing for them every day, giving them a meal every day. It was frosted flakes. I can't blame them for getting tired of it. But God provided for them every moment of their life. He had proven himself faithful, but they had proven themselves prone to wandering, prone to wondering what was next, falling in despair and frustration. I think that, unfortunately, we can relate with the Israelites, don't we? Moses tells Joshua they're stiff-necked and they're going to fail. I want to take a moment to really appreciate Moses for a second. Take into consideration his life. God calls him to this task. And he leads these people through this in incredibly difficult situation they're always falling short he spends over 40 years with them he is their shepherd he's leading them and caring for them he's trying to protect them from enemies he's saying here flock let's go over here and we'll get our water over here and this will be our shelter for right now 
He's been a prophet to them, calling them back to God when they failed. He's been a priest for them, going to God on their behalf, trying to rescue them and, and redeem them and help them and have God forgive them and not completely blot them out of the face of the earth. Moses has been their priest, he's been their prophet, he's been their shepherd, and now, now he's not going to be their leader. He's not going to be the one that leads them across. And I want to take a moment to fully appreciate that sometimes, sometimes it doesn't seem like God's very fair. And there is, if there's anyone in the Bible that could start whining and complaining, it seems like Moses could make a case, right? I mean, I've heard my children whine and complain about much less. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate you being here today. But here, Moses, there is not an ounce of self-pity. There is not a hint of his loathing or his anger towards God. There is nothing but ultimate concern that Joshua would know that the Lord is faithful, that the Lord is present, and the Lord will deliver them. His task is to help people know the faithfulness and praiseworthiness of God that He is a steadfast rock that they can build their lives on and trust in. And He says, take this law with you and make sure it's right there alongside of them so that they always know the truth. That they always know this truth about who God is and what He's done and their story. That they would never forget where they came from so they can know where they're going when it doesn't go right. And when their hearts wander and they wonder where they're at, there's always the law right by their side. There's always the story, the story that tells of this faithful God who is delivering them and loves them and cares for them and brings them back. Because they're prone to wander and they're prone to wonder. And they need to know that the Lord is faithful. And so Moses doesn't cry in self-pity. He just empties himself. And he says, Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous now. Because you're going to take this people that are going to test you in every single possible way, but know that God is with you. God is present. God is faithful. The church... We're going to fast forward a little bit into the story. Kind of has an interesting sort of thing in correlation. Moses pours his heart out and encourages the people to be faithful. The church finds its very beginnings in the same story. The same story of one, a similar story rather, of Jesus Christ laying down his life and pouring his life out. And he gives promises of God's faithfulness gives them the hope of salvation. There is not a hint, there is not a hint of Jesus' self-pity. Does he cry in anguish? Yes, he says, would you take this cup from me? But Jesus willingly lays down his life for you and me, and for the church. And just as Moses trusts and knows believes in the faithfulness of God Jesus lays down his life 
knowing that God is faithful and the people that he is laying his life down for are prone to wander. That you and me are stiff-necked and obstinate people. We make up our mind and we are frustrating (laughs) to God and frustrating to one another. I would say that the church has had a magnifying glass on it over always, but especially the last year. And some of the attention that has been brought on the church as a whole, the universal church, and the sort of scrutiny that's been brought on it, some of it is downright, it is, some of it's despicable, and some of it's completely justified. And what I mean by that is there are some things where the church was walking in darkness when it needed to walk in light. It has loved things that it shouldn't love. It has loved power. It has loved money. It has loved self-importance and total non-reliance on God. It has rejected the truth of Scripture. It has rejected an identity found in Jesus Christ and has taken on the ways of the world. I say that and I can give examples. There is a man whom I greatly admired and now makes my skin crawl. Ravi Zacharias was a ministry that I believed in. There is no better apologetics guy than Ravi Zacharias. And his lifestyle did not reflect what we saw on stage and what was presented to us. And there is devastating report after report of abuse of power to get what he wanted. God must have looked at his church and said, man, it's not worth laying my life down for. That's how we feel, right? That's just one example of one person, and I don't want to bash him because it's hard. I don't want... That could be me. It could be any one of us. Because we're stiff-necked and we're prone to wander. We're prone to sin and we fall short. Some of the scrutiny on the church is justified. And we need to accept some of that scrutiny and we need to remind ourselves what is good and what is true and what is right. And I think the same message that Moses gives to Joshua is the same message that we need to hear today. And just after I sort of beat us all up, I want to say to this to you, and I want you to hear it, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because God is taking the church to a new place. And he's inviting us to cross new borders. And he's inviting us to cross into our town, into places that we've never gone before. And he's inviting us to go and shine a light into the darkness, to be a a shining light, a beacon of light, pointing out the hope and salvation of Jesus Christ. He's asking you to cross the river again, and he's asking you to lift your head high and to know that the gospel is true even when we fail and when we fall. Because the power of the book of Deuteronomy is this, that despite the failures of man, God is still the rock. And despite our brokenness, God cannot be broken. 
And despite us being crushed and hurt and filled with despair, God is not broken and God is not filled with despair. He still looks at you and He still says to you, be strong and courageous because I am with you. My Spirit has not departed from you. My Spirit is with you and changing you and impacting you every day. And He's speaking to you right now. And He's saying, you may have wandered, and you may have wondered, and you may have been filled with despair, but despair no longer because the Lord is with you. He loves you. And He gave His life for you. Despite our wandering, despite being so obstinate sometimes, He is faithful. He's faithful and He's with you. And so I invite you to write on your walls and inscribe on your heart. And I invite you to believe that you can be strong and courageous. We can be the church God is calling us to be. God is with us and He loves you. And He gave life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you believe that today? Would you hold your head a little higher and your heart be a little stronger to know that you can go into the darkness and be a light? That you can cross new boundaries, share the gospel with new people. You can love those who've never known the love of God. You can be the church God is calling us to be. Strong and courageous. Because the Lord has promised that he will be with us. Never will he forsake us. And he's coming again. The promise is true because Jesus gives us the promise and hope of something new. Forgiveness and life and new life in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. In our hearts, we are reminded of the times that we've fallen short. We're reminded today, Lord, of the times that we've wandered away. We've wondered about you. If you're real, we've doubted, we've despaired, we've been frustrated. The range of emotions and heartache that we've experienced. The difficulties and challenges in front of us, God, we don't know how we're going to get through it. So I'd ask God that we would stop trusting in our own abilities and trust rather in your faithful presence, in your faithfulness. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all that you've done. As you call our hearts back to you, we want to surrender all that we are to you. We love you and we praise you. Lead your church. Take us across new borders, new boundaries. Move your church. Lord, that your kingdom would grow, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I, um, something over the last year.
And it's a challenge between my faithfulness and God's faithfulness. And if I gave an honest assessment of my life, I have believed a lie. And I think the lie is this. That my success, that my joy, that my happiness, the things that I find completion in and true happiness is rooted in my ability to be faithful. That's the lie. That it's relying on my faithfulness. Instead, when I read the scriptures again and with a little fresher eyes and God pointing some things out, it's God's faithfulness throughout the entire story. It's God's faithfulness. The people mess up, they fail, but God is the rock. God's the one that's unmoved. He's the faithful one. And he's faithfully there time and time again. My I'm not going to make it very far on my own. That's how we misread it. If we read, be strong and courageous, and we say, okay, i gotta, I got to do this now, we're just going to end up where we were. But if we say we can be strong and courageous because we're standing on something greater than ourselves, because we're standing on a foundation where we have something living in us, the Spirit of Christ living in, in us, we we have the faithful one with us. Where we go from here is wherever God takes us. So let's go with him and stand and sing.